Why is Yoda good at sales? Why is Yoda good at sales? Go on. Because he uses the sales force. Yep. That's <laughs> great. That's great. Hello and welcome to the Essential B2B Podcast. I'm your host, Brand Awareness Manager, Joe DiCaro. Today, I'm joined by Vidyard's very own Chris Van Prague. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. So, Chris is a wizard at video marketing and has edited himself into such works as The Shawshank Redemption, The Shining, and gave myself and countless other 30-somethings a massive hit of nostalgia with his recent Pokemon Sales Edition video. So... Chris, to that end, my first question has to be, what was your starter Pokemon? Um, I think I think I had a Charmander. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Charmander's the the correct one to go because he's the coolest. But it makes gyms one and two very very tricky if memory serves from from the nineties. Wow. <laughs> I don't remember. I know I failed my uh, my mock A levels from Pokemon. As a result of direct result of of Pokemon Red, I think. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, maybe that's why I'm here today. So Chris, how how did you get started working in video then? Um, I found myself in a. I, what was I doing? I was I was working for myself. I just before the start of COVID, I was looking to get back into a more direct sales role as part of a team. Started working for a HubSpot agency called Babel Quest uh, and uh, right at the beginning of lockdown. And we had access at the time to Vidyard and I became introduced to what Vidyard could do um, for salespeople. And for those who aren't familiar with Vidyard, we're, a, we're a, a sales and marketing platform that enables you to create quick short form video to either send to your prospects or to um, provide like informative, quick easy to make content that you can then put into your marketing content or set use further in your sales funnel. And I had access to that, started making videos, really liked the platform and just started talking about it. We were a partner at the time. So there was some advantages to me talking about my experiences of using video and it kind of snowballed. I had lots of people reaching out to me. Obviously people were looking for ways to, um, to reach their, 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 their contacts and their prospects and their customers in a real tough time when you couldn't go to networking events and things. So I, um, I found myself becoming a bit of a, uh, I guess, a sort of an expert when it comes to that kind of thing, even though I was still at the time kind of working out myself um, and heavily promoting it. And then in November of last year, I, I, I left BabelQuest and actually ended up coming and joining Vidyard um, as, a, as an account executive. Um, so then it became my role to, to obviously not only um, promote the use of, of video for sales teams and also for marketing teams, um, but also part of my role in in um, obviously well the promotion part, but also obviously actually helping people to buy the platform itself. Um, so yeah, it was a kind of slow a slow burn really, I suppose. But but then it um, yeah, it's reached really you know fantastic rewards, and clearly it's a it's an area of sales that people are keen to find out about. So it's always just remained quite sort of front and center of what I've done as part of my content, and obviously now it's just my day to day role. So yeah, I love it. Who is it in um, in video marketing? Who else do you look up to? Who inspires you? Um, I think there's there's a ton of people that I follow for different reasons. So I'm big, I'm a big lover of of content and slightly subversive content, as you've already picked up on from the stuff that I tend to put out. <laughs> um, 
but I think to be good in my role, I also need to follow those people that provide really good, sensible sales advice as opposed to me, which is kind of making more hopefully funny stuff that, you know, makes light of of, of sales and, and and hopefully puts us sales professionals in a, in, in a positive light. So, so I think from like a content creation side, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of Will Aitken at SalesFeed, uh, Todd Clauser, uh, um, Travis Tyler at PandaDoc. Um, and then I think when it comes to uh, Max Cohen, I should say, as well at, at, at HubSpot, uh, Kyle Jepson as well at HubSpot. Um, and then when it comes to like the, the real sensible sales advice, um, like James Buckley, uh, JB Sales, Morgan Ingram, uh, anybody from uh the um the, the the jb sales side as well including obviously john barrows um sam mckenna is an amazing person to follow she's got great advice and then i think if you follow any of the work or um are familiar with sarah brazier at gong she's also a really really great a great follower as well so if anyone's not following those people then definitely make that adjustment yeah give them a follow and it's, it's an exciting time actually because at the time of recording we don't know what tattoo will Aitken's going to end up with i, don't I think this recent video yeah i have seen the recent video i think if you read the comments in the youtube video it's fairly clear what he's going to end up with <laughs> um uh yeah yeah i mean fair play to the guy um, yeah whether they do it on a quarterly basis i so will have to see if they can get his entire arms covered or something but yeah <laughs> And uh, it's, are you a, a Stephen King fan, or is it just coincidence that that, that two of the the products you put yourself into is Shawshank and, and The Shining? Uh, yes, good question. Yeah, I don't. I, to, to be honest, I didn't think about the Stephen King, the short, the Shawshank. Did he do Shawshank? He, he did. Yeah, it's it's the one did that people write are very. It? Yeah, they're very surprised to find that he actually wrote the short story it's based on. Yeah, but it's one of his too. That's interesting. I knew he. Yeah, I, yeah, it's a great point. So I'm not a huge. I, I'm a big. I'd say I'm a big pop culture fan, but I'm more of a film buff than I am uh, a novel buff. So, um, you know, the Stephen King fans will probably balk at the fact that I didn't know that, <laughs> or at least I'd forgotten that. Um, no, I think it's just, I look for opportunities where I know that there's either a very memorable scene or something that I can, and anybody that hasn't seen my content, this will probably make zero sense at all. But if I, if I can find a scene or a very a memorable scene that I can cut myself into, uh, then I'll do it, but not particularly. There's a few that I've done because I knew I I wanted to find a way of doing it. I did The Matrix a year or so ago. Um, that was fun. Um, but yeah, it's more just like I'd see an obvious point where I can talk about what video or vidyard or sales can do. And I find a scene where I know I can kind of change some of the words so it sounds like they're talking to me about something that they clearly weren't in the first place <laughs> so th does that mean that's changed how you watch movies now then are you always just looking scanning for opportunities like you know it's a line pops up and oh, i could make this work you know yeah i think i stick to i try and stick to classic movies because they're more memorable right as opposed to me doing like the latest film that people probably haven't seen i don't want it to kind of be spoilery either for people i'm a big fan of avoiding spoilers so so it doesn't really affect how i watch it unless i perhaps go back and watch like an old classic scene but um no i, I don't really know what inspires me with, with with scenes i think sometimes i just it just pops into my head or i've sometimes had people in my comments on previous videos saying oh that you should do this uh and then i've looked it up on youtube and be like okay yeah that is quite a good fit thing so um yeah it doesn't really affect how i'm sort of turning around to my wife and pausing it and saying oh, i need to do this scene or anything it hasn't quite happened yet but <laughs> <laughs> you know it might <laughs> and I guess uh, in using sort of classic movies or, or things that are sort of 
not quite memeable, but are just things that are memorable for one particular thing. So if you think of, you know, you think of Taken, you think of immediately it's, it's Liam on the phone or, you know, something like that. So I guess using the classic movies and movies that have had that sort of treatment of going viral for, you know, a jokey reason, anything like that. As soon as people see that, it's a shorthand into you kind of know where this is going. So I guess that makes it easier in, in terms of um, creating stuff for there as well. Yeah, I think there's like the, there's a double there's a double win there, right? Like if you if you yeah, it's it's a classic scene. So if people don't know it off by heart, then they'll probably at least maybe be bought in to go like, hold on a second, this is not a normal piece of content, and they'll they'll watch it. And then yeah, if you know the scene, so you know the lines that they're going to say, then you're already thinking like you can kind of almost preempt the punchline before it uh, before it happens. So I think then it's like a sort of a yeah a double win for those people who are. You know, perhaps similarly minded to, to to me when it comes to pop culture references. And uh, just to change tack slightly, what would you change about your industry, and what do you love about the industry? Um, what what I what I love. So I I, I got into this I got into this world, the B two B tech sales world, at the beginning of COVID, and um, I live in a sleepy little village in in Oxfordshire. Um, and I didn't have any sort of previous experience of you know networking and things. So, so when I, I was thinking about this, um, so spo- spoiler for people listening, but you asked me this, it, it sort of preempted this question before, and I was thinking about it. I think what's amazing is the opportunity that I've been afforded as a as a as a as a living in the middle of nowhere with very you know, two years of experience. You did pretty much the entire time, um, uh, the entire part of my career in in you know. Well, certainly working from home, not necessarily in lockdown, but but working outside of an office. So I think it's what I really love is a sense of community, and I think that is solely down to my activity on LinkedIn. So if there are people out there thinking about, well, what's the purpose of you know putting myself out there on LinkedIn? It's because it will create opportunities for you that um, that just you'd have to probably work for years in person to be noticed by people in sort of senior people in, in places that you may never meet in person. So I think like the type of community that LinkedIn can afford you to create makes a really small world of what is effectively, you know, a huge world in B2B sales. So you can actually become quite a small, I hate the word influencer because I don't like to think I sort of influence anybody, but I, I definitely feel like I've been able to be quite a big voice despite the fact that really all I do is you know, I create some unique content. I do it relatively regularly, and I, you know, use LinkedIn as a platform to to meet other people and, and and share ideas and things. And it's nothing really more complex than that. So, you know, a huge shout out to what LinkedIn does. And I think if people are listening, thinking, well, how can I kind of, you know, add a string to my bow in my career? Perhaps they work in sales or wherever they work, and they're not posting on LinkedIn about their knowledge and their experiences. Then I'd really encourage you you to do it. Um, when it comes to the thing that I. I, I would change. Um, this is really more of a kind of a, a magic wand thing. But if I was able to change anything, I would like all businesses to be fully transparent about the tech that they use. And I, I asked I said, t- for two main reasons. One is in sales, um, it's it's really important that we're personalizing our our outreach. And I think the hardest thing for people working in sales can be really trying to come up with a valid reason to reach out, right? Um, so I think if, 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 if all of tech or, you know, any in B2B sales 
there was a central place where we absolutely 100% could confirm the tech that a business that you were perhaps looking to sell to was on, it would make the people who sell make their job a lot easier, including myself, because I'd be able to say, well, I know this person is using this piece of tech and I know how my piece of tech might be able to help them. But equally, it would also help the people who are being sold to because you would actually be able to validate, well, here's what, you know, you'd be able to validate in a more effective way. Like here's the problem that people who are use insert tech here have, and here's how this resolves it. So I, I don't quite like there isn't that transparency. I know there are probably software out there that will do it. I'll probably get tapped up now in my inbox. But um, I, I think if we were more transparent about the tech uh, that people had, it would make everybody's lives a lot more fun and interesting. How powerful a resource is a community as a selling tool and also for delivering content? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think I think um, there's there's two types of of community, right? There's the, there's a community of people that uh, that kind of support your content. That I, I have no control over who it is that chooses to support my content, but I could absolutely tell you there are a, a big handful of names that I re- met in person, very few of, but who have um, clearly got an affinity and gain a lot of enjoyment from the type of content that I share and may never have a need to purchase Vidyard uh, or to use more video, but enjoy my content. And, and I get lovely comments from people just saying, you know, brightens their day and, um, you know, they might choose to reshare it or whatever it might be. And I, and I love that. That's, that's great. So I think you can build a community of like-minded people who just enjoy your content. And that absolutely has been helpful in creating opportunities for me as an individual, because those people, have recommended me to to speak on various things, and that, as a result, kind of boosts you know engagement and um, and, and awareness and, and follow account and created opportunities. And then I think there's the other type of community where you are um, using LinkedIn as a as a place to share knowledge with other people who could potentially benefit from from your product or service. And neither of those are. are, are the correct way. And I don't think I don't think you need to do both. Um, I think I, I sort of manage to sit on both sides of that fence just because I do create quite a, a lot of varied content. I do kind of informative, his features, product stuff uh, that, that will help people. And I do the kind of funny, silly stuff that I just enjoy. And it's LinkedIn is the channel I choose to share that on. So I think it's really, really important if you are looking, you hear a lot of talk about personal branding these days, and that's becoming more and more vital, especially in remote selling and virtual worlds, because you need to be visible. And to be visible, you need to be sharing publicly. And, uh, you know, as a result, hopefully, you're, you know, you're sharing publicly that that's your personal brand, whether it's you're sharing good content or bad content, that naturally will be it. So I think um, it's 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 vital for sellers, um, but I think it's vital in all roles just to be um, present and public and adding support, sharing your expertise and for me, it's, you know, it's created a, a huge number of opportunities, not only of conversations that I can sell to, but also as an opportunity for me to you know, speak on things like this. And, you know, I've, I've spoken in person at some big events, which is staggering, really, because, you know, two and a half years ago, I, I didn't even live in this world. And now all of a sudden I'm, you know, somebody that stands on a stage and has people sitting down and listening and taking notes, which I still find absolutely baffling. Um, so yeah, I think it's absolutely vital build, build community. I don't think you have to kind of purposely go out there to say, you know, I'm going to build a community and write a big 
you know, brainstorm a whole bunch of ways you're going to do it and then go out and deliver on that strategy. I think if you can do that, then great if you're organized in that way. But I think I would just say start with, you know, if you want, you know, if you're keen to build community, start with posting and engaging with people and finding people that, you know, write similar content to you and, and, and just do it consistently and, and, you know, the results will, will, will happen. Do you think there may be a sort of a higher difficulty level, if you like, or a difference between for, for people trying to sort of personalize their brands in the B2B world as, as opposed to the B2C world? Or do you not think it's, it's quite such a stark difference? Um, I don't, I don't know, to be honest. I can't, I can't really speak for B2C. Obviously on, on LinkedIn, it's, it's going to be tough. I think if you are creating content for link for a LinkedIn audience, because they're just not there. Um, but I think if you're creating marketing content for, um, for B2C, then I think you want to engage on a level that is people that people can relate to. So I think if you look at the type of content that you'll see on say TikTok, which is now like, and I'll probably butcher this stat, but it's like the, the far, it's the largest growing, it's almost viewed as a search engine now, I think again, I mm. probably butcher it, but the amount of content on there. So, so there is an entire generation of people that are seeking out information uh, and answers to questions on TikTok rather than going to Google and, and asking it. So if you think about that as a place to find your audience, TikTok is all about short form video content, right? It's, it's absolutely vast, the amount of content on there and the organic reach is, is, is vast. So I think if you are looking for a way to reach a particular audience, um, then yeah, catchy, quick, snappy video that explains the story of what you can do and, and, how, and how you can solve that problem tiktok is a perfect channel for it so um yeah i think it's um i think it's i, 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 I think b2b linkedin's a great place and b2c probably use tiktok that'd be my mm. summary i i you know I, I saw the same thing coming out the same stats saying you know the generation is using you know tiktok as a search engine and i was like well, that blew my mind a little bit i was like that's staggering and i was like okay so i tried so i tried it myself i was like okay well let's search just searching for something how to you know how to videos came out and it almost takes a step away from the searching process. So rather than having to scroll through, okay, here's a bunch of, you know, links to what you might be looking for. It's just bam, straight away. There's video and you're instantly finding what you've been searching for. So yeah, it, it completely staggered me as someone who's, you know, <laughs> grew up using Google and everything. But um, so what, what really motivates you then, Chris, at the start of your day or your week, what, what is it that gets you out of bed and gets you excited? um well i'm 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 quite fortunate that I, I you know i i really enjoy my job and i'm very passionate about what i get to sell so i don't struggle for i don't get the sunday scaries i know that i'm fortunate in that situation because i know that there are others that might not be the case um what i have to work very hard at is um is making sure that i'm as purposeful around my time so i think i I, I, I probably talk around the kind of motivation question because I I don't struggle to be motivated to talk about video and to sell video because I put a lot of effort into and, and I, I'm very passionate about talking about it. But I focus very heavily on my outputs rather than what I get back. So what I do at the start of a week is I write down a bunch of lists as to what I want to achieve that week, um, accounts that I want to work. Um, goals that I want to achieve. I've got a really um, driven 
um, team that I work with and we all get together on a Monday morning and we all work together on, on our goals. Um, I'm, I time block a lot. So I work entirely um, from home um, and that has a huge amount of benefits. I know some people aren't a fan, but for me, uh, I've got a young family. It works in really well with me, but I have to be really, really um, purposeful around time blocking. So I will block out time for activities that I know I want to do. And I'll also time block activities that I don't want to do and I'll eat the frog. Um, so for anyone listening, that doesn't know about eat the frog. It's do the thing that you want to do the least first. So I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that I, when I'm at my most, you know, ready to go and motivated, I do the stuff that I want to do the least <laughs> and actually find that I put in, then I put in more, um, you know, I'm, I'm more raring to go. I, I feel more enthusiastic about doing it and getting it done. And then perhaps the stuff that I'm more excited about doing, um, I might do that towards the end of the day and, or perhaps even later on in the day. Um, because it's something that I'm passionate about. And I find the time to do, and that and that works for me. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. There, there's somebody who, who I follow who refers to it as doing his, his work vegetables and then his work pudding. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, so, I mean, you mentioned that you don't get the sort of you know the Sunday scaries, the Monday feeling. Um, I wonder how you decompress from work. Then, what is it you do to just to switch off? Um, yeah, it's it's a good question. I. I am, um, like I said, I'm a hundred percent work from home. So I've, I've gone through the full range of, you know, feeling in the past, feeling um, completely overwhelmed because it can be quite difficult to, to switch off when you work from home. You don't have a place where you work and a place where you live. Uh, I'm fortunate that I have uh, a home office, which is out of the way of the rest of the house. So um, it's, it's good that I can leave my computer there and be elsewhere as opposed to taking my computer. But I do do that. I'll, I'll, I'll leave devices uh, like my phone, like either in my office or I'll, I'll put them away. So I'm not checking Slack and checking Gmail and saying, Oh, did that wonder if that person replied and all that kind of stuff. Cause the, the chances are if they did reply, then you're going to immediately want to reply back. And then your mind's distant. I, I got, I got two small kids who don't, they don't care whether I need to get back to that person. So if they're at home, um i i like to be as present as i can i can't do both things i can't be you know checking things on my phone and also trying to be a good dad so i keep my stuff away um and, and keep them separate and then when i know when i'm working i'm working so again it comes down to time blocking i work evenings and uh, not every evening but i work a few evenings a week and um, but that means that i don't work kind of three till seven on some days of the week because i'm picking up kids and, and doing stuff with them so time blocking for me has been really really important just set the divide there um and then i don't know in terms of activities and stuff it's yeah i watch i watch tv and you know all the kind of normal stuff and um you know, play with the kids and stuff and uh but then yeah work is work and, and and life is life and i do manage to manage to but it's taken me a long time but i managed to create quite a good divide between those two yeah it's it's all the, the discipline of leaving particularly working from home you know i think as a lot of people have experienced the pandemic the discipline of leaving as you say devices in certain rooms absolutely I, I think it's vital what is the best and by best i also can mean worst sales joke you've ever heard uh the, <laughs> my favorite sales joke is a very simple one uh and it plays into a, another passion of mine which is star wars uh which is uh why is yoda good at sales why is you really good at sales go on because he uses the sales force yep <laughs> it's great 
That's great. No, I like it. Do you know what bonus points for including Star Wars? Because I'm, I'm a massive Star Wars fan as well. So yeah, no, that's that's great. And so, Chris, I've really, really enjoyed chatting to you. Thank you very, very much for uh, for joining us for this podcast. What is the one top tip that you would like people to take away from this? Is it, you know, how can people best implement their videos when it comes to marketing? The top tip on how to implement videos? I mean, I, I, I would say, so video consistently is... Um, is proven to be the number one channel for conversion. And I think most organizations will probably buy into that. And they know that when they do have video, that it does perform well. But there is a real... Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a dam in between the amount of content that a, a company feel that they can create and the amount of content that they actually put out. And the big dam is often created by this kind of feeling or this need to create really hyper-polished, expensive video content. And if you look at the TikToks of this world, the type of content that you'll see on LinkedIn, the type of content that that, that now, you know, some forward-thinking organizations are, are doing, we're removing the barriers between creating really highly polished, heavily edited video content that you need to spend a lot of money on and don't perhaps see the kind of return on the investment and dr- user or end- driven content. So, so, um, quick to produce content. So, you know, case study explainers, customer testimonials, walkthroughs of platforms, messages from the CEO, anything that can be really created very, very quickly using a platform like Vidyard or any other video platform for that matter and embed on your video and use that as a place. So I would say my, my top kind of takeaway is if you are motivated to create video and you see the value in creating video, don't let hyper-polished mega you know, edited video content be an obstacle for you because you will fall behind. Uh, thanks very much, Chris. Where can people keep up with you? Where's the best place to uh, check out your stuff? Uh, yes, yeah, so I've following me on LinkedIn. Uh, so I'm Chris Van Prague. I'm the only Chris Van Prague that I think is on LinkedIn. Uh, and I post, you know, pretty much every day video content, some funny stuff, some, you know, uh, advice on uh, for sales and, and marketers on getting the most out of video. And then if you want to see my slightly more harebrained, um, wild content, uh, well, it's not the right word, but slightly out, out there. Um, I'm on TikTok. Uh, my handle is uh, VP of sales. So you can follow me there as well. Excellent. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. 